Hi, I'm Cameron DeVazer. And I'm Mark Howard. This is Talking Points. We're going through Making Friends for God, and this week we're looking at Lesson 5, Spirit-Empowered Witnessing. Yes. So, what did we learn this week about Spirit-Empowered Witnessing, Pastor Howard? Well, we learned a lot. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff this week about Spirit-Empowered Witnessing. The, um, the, the role of the Holy Spirit in witnessing is everything. Yeah. And so you almost it's almost can't like overstate. I mean, it's, it's hard to. Well, yeah, you 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 almost you can't overstate it, but you certainly can understate it. And I think we've done a lot of that when we talk about witnessing. It has to be clear that everything we do witnessing-wise is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And as we're going to talk about in this lesson, it doesn't exempt us. Mm. You know, a lot of times you hear this in discussions about what it, that's the Spirit's job. But as the lesson points out. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come upon you, yes. and you will be witnesses unto me. Not so you will a, witness the Holy Spirit working, you will <laughs> right. be the witness. Yeah. You're not going to take a, a, you know, get one of the bleacher seats right. you know, and sit down and watch, all right, this is going to be good. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this week we're talking about Holy Spirit empowered witnessing, and the Bible refers to Acts 4 where they prayed, and the place where they prayed were shaken, our memory verse, mm -hmm. and the, they preached uh, the Word uh, the of God word with of, boldness. That's right. right. So, speaking of prayer, should we start with a word of prayer, and then can well, you walk us through the points, or what let, do you want to do? Let's, uh, right before we pray, let's, let's look at this introductory statement on Sabbath afternoon's okay. lesson. Um, the last, it's the second paragraph, the last part of it, it says, The empowering of the Holy Spirit would enable the believers to share the message of the cross with life-changing, world-changing power. The Holy Spirit made their witness effective. In a few short decades, the gospel impacted the entire world. Acts declares that these early believers turned the world upside down. The Apostle Paul adds that the gospel was preached to every creature under heaven. In this week's lesson, we will especially focus on the role of the Holy Spirit in empowering our witness for Christ. So Oof, that's where we're going this lot week. Lot to cover. Let's pray and then walk through our points. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Thank you for these uh, important themes that we have to discuss, and specifically as we look at the work of the Holy Spirit in relation to our work in saving souls. Lord, help us to understand what your word teaches us and help us to apply it in our lives for the success of your mission. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, let's talk about our key points this week. Uh, going through the lesson, what I drew out of the lesson for key points were um, point number one, the promise of the Spirit. Just introducing the, the, the promise of the Holy Spirit and... I drew that from primarily Sunday's lesson, Jesus and the Promise of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, number, key point number two, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So there's the promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said beforehand and everything that led up to looking the disciples to it, looking right. forward to it, praying for it, etc. And then when they prayed for the Holy Spirit and the Spirit was poured out, how did that affect the early church? Well, that's Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. It's the bulk of what we cover this week is the effect of the outpouring of the Spirit on the early church. And then finally, uh, my final key point is the word of the Spirit. It's and, an interesting phrasing there, yeah, the word and, of the Spirit. And I've actually taken that phrasing from Scripture. Uh, the lesson on Wednesday, that's based primarily on Wednesday's lesson, which is the Holy Spirit, the Word, and witnessing. But I, again, I've taken that language from Scripture, and I've done that for a reason, and we'll see that when we get to that key point. So okay. the promise of the Spirit, the outpouring of the Spirit, and the Word of the Spirit. Those are our key points that we're looking at. Okay. So let's start with the promise of the Spirit. 
and uh, I'm going to go ahead and read Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Yeah, you really can't talk about the promise of the Holy Spirit to the New Testament church without reading Acts chapter 1. Um, this is where, of course, Jesus, in his very final moments with right. his disciples, gives this instruction. Gives the instruction that I am still It's in Acts chapter turning 1. To. Let's go ahead and find that for us <laughs> real quick, Mark. <laughs> Say amen when you get there. <laughs> And it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, my Bible has a reference back to Luke 24, 48, where, you know, Luke wrote both, obviously, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. But at the end of Luke is where Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem, wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus had given the great gospel commission. You can find that in all the, the, the mm. gospels in some form or another. And then he told the disciples, but before you go out to fulfill that commission, I want you to wait mm. in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't mention the waiting here, but he tells them they're going to receive power. Yeah. And just to put it in perspective, as we're talking about the promise of the Spirit, um, it was, the, it was the great commission that, that impressed the disciples with their great sense of need. Yes. And, and it's important for us to understand this. The, the early church, you could say the disciples, you've got the 11 and then they added Matthias and then you've got 12. You can go to the upper room where you have 120. Um, if you even brought in the number to the 120, the great commission was to reach the world with the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so 120 is about the size of one of our medium churches in right. Michigan here. And if you were just to take one of our medium-sized churches and say, now your job as a church is to reach the entire state of Michigan, that alone would be daunting. Yeah. Jesus told a group that size, your job is to reach the entire world. Yes. Now that had to be overwhelming if they were embracing it. Well, which especially we're talk in about. light of... Like, they knew that Jesus was going to be there, and he was, his goal is to win the world, but now Jesus is leaving. That's right. So as long as Jesus is there helping, and they're like, we believe in you. You can do it. We're supporting But now he's like, now I'm going to leave. You go win the That's world. That's right. And I'm glad you brought that up. It's brought up in the lesson a little bit. I mean, the verses in John 16, 7, where Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, then the helper won't come to you. And this has created a lot of confusion. I know in pastoral mm -hmm. ministry, I've had people say, so is this saying that the Holy Spirit wasn't given Didn't, before wasn't the New Testament. Before that, well, the Spirit hovered above the waters in the book of Genesis. The Spirit mm -hmm. came upon Samson and empowered him. David said, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. I mean, right. you've got examples all through over and over. Yeah. in the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit isn't new to the New Testament. But, and, and there could be many reasons given for this, uh, what Jesus was meaning by this. But one clear one, and we find this corroborated in the book Desire of Ages, uh, in other places in, in Ellen White's writings, is that Jesus knew that as long as he was with the disciples and his, his personal presence was with them, they would never think mm. that they need to, of, of needing the Holy Spirit. And something hit me as I was going through this lesson that as long as Jesus was with them, and you just kind of alluded to this, they'd comfort themselves with the belief that Jesus is going to do everything that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. That Jesus would do what he was preparing them to do. Right. Right? So, hey, Jesus is here with He's us. He's got it. So as far as witnessing yeah. and all, they... It, like you said, things changed when Jesus gave the commission, and then he said, oh, by the way, I'm going to, my like, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, a few verses later, he's ascending out of their sight up into heaven. Yeah. 
And now it's on them. The last words he says were, now go. Yeah. And I'm going to leave. Wait yeah. a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. So there was a, there was a dynamic there mm -hmm. where they were put in a position where they had to embrace that great commission personally. Yeah. And, I, and I believe that that was key in driving them to the upper room and to their knees mm -hmm. in praying for the, the Holy Spirit. The scope of what they're responsible for. You know, I see the same thing later in the book of Acts. You see in Acts chapter 8 where the great persecution comes after the death of uh, Stephen. Yes. And, and they're scattered, right? And Mrs. White makes this point because in, in the chapter 8, you know, it talks about how they were all scattered, but then it says, except the apostles who right. remained in Jerusalem. So the all <laughs> is the lay church members, right? right? And Mrs. White makes this point. It's uh, in the book Acts of the Apostles commenting on that very thing says, and this is page 106, when they were scattered by persecution, they went forth filled with missionary zeal. They realized the responsibility of their mission. Mm -hmm. They knew that they held in their hands the bread of life for a famishing world, and they were constrained by the love of Christ to break this bread to all who are in need. And the idea being that up until that, and she, if you, I would encourage you to read that chapter sometime, because up until that point, the disciples, which when I'm saying the disciples now, I mean lowercase d, I mean the, yeah. the, the, the general church members, they had their own experience, but... They were always looking to the apostles. Well, they'll preach the word. They'll stand for the faith. They'll pray for me. They'll distribute the goods, whatever. But when the, the apostles stay back and they went out, Scripture tells us, or spiritual prophecy tells us, they realized their need. Much like when Jesus left and said, now you're going to go win the world. I'm going to leave. It dawns on them and in a way that they hadn't really consciously realized before. Yes. That the onus is on them. That's and right. I need help. That's where the need for the Holy Spirit comes in. Well, and I, I'm going to bring this now in, in now before I forget it, but one of the key roles of a teacher is to point, bring out of the lesson things that are relevant to the class. We, we could talk all day long about this power, empowering the Spirit, Pentecost, and all the mm -hmm. other, without really getting down to the fact, the reason that, one of the reasons that we're drawing out what we are from the lesson is because I, I see it as relevant that this is where we are today. A lot of us are in this place where, you know, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Why don't we see the same power in the church today? I don't think we've embraced the Great Commission. Come on now. Uh, in fact, and I'll make more comment as we go, I have a statement here in our notes. It's uh, Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, page 383, and it says, The reason why there is so little of the Spirit of God manifested is that the ministers learn to do without it. And I think that mm. can go with the members too. In other words, yes. listen to what's being said. The reason so little of the Spirit of God is manifested, what that says is, he's here, he's, he's present. To be clear, it's not really being seen, right? It, right. It's, it's not like he's not coming, we're not, he's just not doing We're not taking advantage of the right. power that the Holy Spirit provides for the church because, and here it's giving the context of ministers, but they learn to do without it. They don't see the need of it. And this goes for members as well. Yes. So what, what, this what this statement is telling us is that when we don't see our need for the Spirit, we're not going to see as much of the Spirit. Well, I, you know, I, you've heard me rail about pastor dependency and the problems we have there too, but you notice how Jesus with his own disciples said, I need to leave and it's better for you that I do yes. so you'll rely on the Holy Spirit. They saw in the early church, the apostles needed to stay back in Jerusalem. And the, the, if you read that chapter about in Acts the Apostles commenting on Acts chapter 8, it talks about how um, it was God's ordained blessing that that persecution would come up to push them out, right? Yes. Then you see in this evangelism page 382, if the ministers would get out of the way, if they would go forth into new fields, the members mm -hmm. would be obliged to bear responsibilities and their capabilities would increase by use. That's right. So they're, from Jesus to the disciples to our own pastors, 
All you know, it's interesting. Nothing there says the members will be happy about it. <laughs> no, it They'll be obliged to. Their capabilities will grow. Right. But, you know, how many times have you been thrown into something? You're like, oh, man. On the other side of it, you can say, oh, I'm so right. glad what for that experience. What a blessing that was, yeah. But, yeah, there's... The, the, but there's I, a constant theme of, like, we need to wean off of the immediate presence of someone else to do it because we have been tasked with being witnesses for Jesus oh, in our own skin. Absolutely. Anyway. Um, so, uh, on Sunday's lesson, the last paragraph, it says, witnessing is simply cooperating with the Holy Spirit to glorify Jesus. It is the Spirit's power and under His, in the Spirit's power and under His guidance, we testify of this amazing Christ who has transformed our lives. Now, a point that I, I, I thought was important there in the promise of the Spirit, Jesus, again, He told the disciples, tarry at Jerusalem. He says, uh, um, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses unto me. I bring this up to say, it, you know, people will say, well, witness, this is the Spirit's work. We can't change hearts, and we can't, inf-, and that's true. There's in truth. fact, yeah. uh, one of my favorite statements is Evangelism 127, and it says, there is far more being done by the universe of heaven, the universe of heaven, not just the Spirit, God, Jesus, mm-hmm. the angels, than we have any idea of in preparing the way so that souls should be converted. We want to work in harmony with the messengers of heaven. We want more of God. We do not want to feel that it is our talking and our sermonizing that is to do the work. We want to feel that unless the people are reached through God, they never will be reached. And that's a point of emphasis. Yeah. That we want to make sure that we're trusting and relying on God. But it, it's interesting to me that it says we don't want to feel that it's our talking and our sermonizing. But that's not saying that we're not doing talking and we're not giving sermons. Right. It's saying that's not where the power is. Right. But yet the Lord uses it. And the reason I say that is for many people... To say it's the Holy Spirit's job, which it is ultimately, is is equivalent to passivity. I'm just going to sit back. Holy Spirit's going to do it. Right. You won't find that anywhere in Scripture. Well, you see that in your own. We talk about this when we talk about uh, victory over sin and struggles yes. with temptation. People say, "Well, you know, you don't want to work too hard." And we even hear, you know, people caution, like, "Well, don't yes. overwork. Don't work too hard because because we, we that would be standing in place of the Holy Spirit, and you're trying to save yourself." Right, and that's like that. our problem in the church today: is we work so hard, hard work, winning right. for souls, and we the same thing, work, winning for souls, work outside <laughs> of ourselves. It's like, well, don't you work? So you could get to the place with the ultimate spiritual uh, uh, virtue is passivity. Yes, that I don't do anything for myself. I don't do anything for others because it's all God doing it. <laughs> right. Well, and the reality is it's all the power from God, the command is from God, the enabling is from God, right. but the work is to be done in our own experience. And, and, so, and, and yeah. in essence, that passivity, that passive attitude mm-hmm. totally counteracts everything that this is talking about. Yes. In other words, it was because the disciples weren't being passive. It's because they realized it was their responsibility exactly. that drove them to have the kind of fervor they needed to pray for the Holy Spirit. Mm. If they'd been able to say, you know what, it's just the Holy Spirit's job, they wouldn't have been in the upper room. They wouldn't have been on their knees. Amen. Say, Let the... mm. And so this, and, and we see that. I think we're seeing this in the church today. This passive me- mentality has crippled us. Yes. Where we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So, so let's talk yes, about, the Holy Spirit yeah. will come upon us so we can, so be, witnesses. We can be witnesses. And the Holy Spirit is doing the work, but he's doing it through God's Amen. people. So the outpouring of the Spirit, this is yes. the, the big rock in the jar of this week, right? The most time is spent to it. Um, what do we talk about there? Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday and Thursday, Thursday. Right. And, and it's all talking about different aspects of when, okay, so there was the promise of the Spirit. Early church senses the need. They go to the upper room. They're praying. Spirit is poured out. Okay? This is the outpouring of the Spirit. This is our key point number two. Jesus promised it, but the promise of the Spirit doesn't equivalent to the outpouring of the Spirit. 
Okay. Okay. Because they prayed for it, because the, the Spirit's promised to us today. Yes. But it's not seen as much as it should be because we've learned to do without it. We already read that statement, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So the outpouring of the Spirit, the lesson brings out, one of the things, the first uh, things rather that brings out on Monday in the read section, it gives several verses, Acts 2, 41 and 42, Acts 4, 4 and 31, Acts 5, 14 and 42, Acts 6, 7, Acts 16, 5. Every one of those verses talk about the number of souls that were saved. 3,000 here, 5,000 here, a multitude here. Mm. So the, the, the point of the contributor, Elder Finley, and of the scripture in these passages is God is concerned about the number of souls saved. Right, and, the, and the, 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 the manifestation of the Spirit will be seen in an increase, of course qualitatively, but quantitatively. There will That's be right. increased numbers of people who hear and believe this message. And we don't have time to get it. This has been a, I've, this has been a debate in the church as long as I've been in the church, and I'm sure there have been times that somebody has just counted numbers of people baptized for personal gain. In fact, I've seen it on occasion okay. where somebody will baptize people who aren't even ready so they can give a number. Well, you even but joke that, about you're counting evangelistically when it was really five, but it right. seemed like 50, it was a sea of people. That, but you know. that, God forbid that lead us not to, not to want right. a great number of souls, mm. right? The Bible says in, in Revelation, there's a great multitude that can't even be numbered. It's so mm. big, you know? Amen. God is concerned with numbers, and the reason, I think this is great, a great point the lesson brings out on Monday, um, paragraph 4, it says, The important point here is that behind each of the large numbers are individual human beings, each one a child of God for whom Jesus Christ died. Right. You know, it's not just about counting up numbers, but you, we, I want to see souls saved. Right. I want to see, if I've got... 15 family members that are outside the Lord, I might be like, oh, I don't care how many. No, I want to see 15. <laughs> I want to see 16. I want well, to see yeah, on the day of Pentecost, it wasn't just a mass of 3,000 people for the chunk of it. What we right. were looking at, those are 3,000 individuals who have chosen that's life right. over death, and that's incredible. So we see, one thing we see with the outpouring of the Spirit is a multiplication, an exponential increase in, mm -hmm. in souls saved. Okay. Yes. Um, another point that was brought out in the lesson is, you know, the official title of the book uh, of Acts is Acts of the Apostles. And Elder Finley brings out that, that sometimes the book has been called Acts of the Holy Spirit, which mm -hmm. technically it really is. I mean, every, every great thing the apostles did was through the empowerment of the Spirit. And uh, it brings this up on uh, Tuesday's yes. lesson. There's a number of texts there, and the stories reflected in those texts uh, are, for example, the Spirit filled the apostles on Pentecost. Stephen was filled by the, with the Spirit before the Sanhedrin. This Holy Spirit escorted Philip to the Ethiopian eunuch, transported him there in yes. this divine you know, transporter beam, moved upon the household of Cornelius and revealed the matter to Peter in advance. The Holy Spirit brought unity amid doctrinal controversy and the Holy Spirit guided the missionary journeys of the apostles. So all of this, you see this very active, intentional and intense working of the Holy Spirit. And in, in the, the local Testament Sabbath church. school, that could be a good interactive element that you could have with your students, right? The church, uh, the Sabbath school members, right. as you read through those and you can discover that clearly that that's what's being talked about, that these are the acts of the Holy Spirit through individuals. Yes. Uh, Tuesday's lesson toward the bottom of the, of the last paragraph, bottom of the page says, the Holy Spirit was active in the New Testament church and is active in the life of the church today. He longs to empower us, strengthen us, teach us, guide us, unify us, everything that was reflected in those passages that he did for the early church. 
unify us and send us out on the most important missions in the world, which is le most important mission in the world, which is leading men and women to Jesus and his truth. So mm. the Holy Spirit wants to work in the church today just as much as he did in the early church. Okay. The book of Acts is not just a fairy tale that we read and it's like, oh, that was a neat make-believe nice. story yeah. that yeah. never really happened. And it, it happened and it should be happening today. Mm. in God's church. You know, at sometimes least we much. talk about those religious themes as though they're mythology instead of theology, right? Yes. That there's a living God who wants to do the same thing now. Anyway, we have this other point here still as we have your study guide and we flip the page, empowering, empowering yes. the believers. Uh, yes. An example given is the gift of tongues at Pentecost, right? Right. That uh, when they prayed for the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was poured out, it wasn't just a personal, like, feel better kind of thing. It was a tool to do something with them. That's the Lord exactly gave right. them equipment to do a mission. People sometimes get so focused on the gift of, the, the, of tongues. It's, oh, the gift of tongues. And it's a bit, instead of realizing that what was happening is the Holy Spirit gave the particular skill that was needed at that time to reach right. souls. And our takeaway from that shouldn't be everybody should speak in tongues, like right. some churches do. It should be that the Holy Spirit is willing to give whatever tool necessary to reach the lost. And I found this fascinating statement in Acts of the Apostles, uh, page 39. It says the Holy Spirit, commenting on this, it says the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak with fluency. I'm sorry, e <laughs> let me start again. The Holy Spirit enabled them to speak with fluency languages with which they had heretofore been unacquainted. Mm. Uh, so... So they weren't this, just okay at these languages and they, they rounded off the or In fact, she goes on to yeah. say, the Holy Spirit did for them that which they could not have accomplished for themselves in a lifetime. And so more can be said, but the point is, um, the Holy Spirit can enable us to do what we could never do. All the, She says in a lifetime, all the study, mission mm -hmm. schools, theology, Stone, going yeah. to the seminary, whatever you... I'm not just talking about... For us, languages, I'm talking about any, you know, we say, mm. well, I can't win this because I don't know enough theology. Mm. I got to do more studies. I got to do, the Holy Spirit gave them in a moment mm. more than they could have had in an entire lifetime. And we put too much dependence on human means. I'm not knocking forms of education, mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm. else, but they were educated by the Spirit in a moment. And Ellen White says from that time forth. They were always able to speak not only those languages, but she said even if they spoke in their native tongues, they were able to speak with a clarity that they never were able mm -hmm. to speak with before, making things plain and clear to those they were teaching. Mm -hmm. I mean, the takeaway is the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, He will empower the believers. Mm -hmm. uh, he will empower every one of us to, yeah. to, to, and give us whatever tool is needed at that moment that is needed. Well, I think sometimes we focus on spiritual fruit, which is grown yes. in the life and praise the Lord for it, yeah. but it's a sanctification it time. lifetime and you'll slowly develop. And that's a good, that's le totally legitimate, but the same Holy Spirit that over time grows those fruits in us yes. also will gift in a moment if he so desires, if he sees the need for it and the, and the work of the Lord, he'll give you what you need, whether it's the gift of administration, the gift of tongues, the gift of healing. You know, For instance, in, in Acts chapter two, you don't see any of the gift of healing. But does that say it's an illegitimate? No, it just didn't need it at that time for that That's moment. Right. And we may not receive the gift of tongues, but if we are about our Father's business and we come upon a situation that we need something, we can trust that the same Holy Spirit that's growing in us the character of Christ will empower us with whatever gift we need to accomplish His work. That's right. It's powerful. And that moves us into our last key point, and that is the Word of the Spirit. And this I've taken, actually, if you look at the, the Gospel of Mark, for example, Mark chapter 12 and verse 36, um, if you get there before me, you can read it. 1236. Oh, I got it. 
I mean, my hand is there, but go ahead. Jesus <laughs> says, For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make it. So he's quoting scripture, but he says, David said by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Another verse is in um, Acts chapter 28 25, where it says, The Spirit said, thus and so, right. and it's what scripture says. And, and the point here is, and Elder Finley makes this in the lesson, sometimes we talk about the, the outpouring of the Spirit almost as if it's transcending the Word. And we've talked about that in our last quarter. Like the Word's a good start, but then the Spirit yes. comes to take it to and the next level. And it takes you to the next. It, and it, it's important to understand that the Holy Spirit uses the Word, mm-hmm. employs the Word. The best way I can bring this up, you know, you go to the New Testament church, and if you look at uh, Wednesday's lesson... There's a number of texts there under the first read section that just talk about how they preach the word. Just search, do a word search, preach the word, and you see the early church. They preach the word, they preach the word, they preach the scriptures. Paul went into three Sabbaths and preached to them from the scriptures, Mm -hmm. etc. Here's what really grabbed me about this. In fact, um, it's on Wednesday's lesson, bottom of the page, very last, uh, second to last sentence. It says, God has promised to bless his word, not our words. And you and I were talking about this. There was a period in my ministry, and I have to uh, backtrack a little bit and just say, as long as I've been back in the church now, it's pushing 25 years, doctrine has been a bad word. Mm. It's like, oh, doctrine is treated like this stainless steel room. It's it's impersonal and it's cold. and, And we talk about relationship and how we... And I'm not... I understand some of that, but what happens is that affects that affected me in my ministry hmm. to the point that there was one period in my ministry I remember going to give Bible studies, and I'd have a particular one of the particular Bible study lessons, and the person that I was studying with would be struggling with something, and I became the um, therapy counselor. Hmm. And my Bible studies became therapy sessions. I'm not talking about one study. And it just seemed that every week and that person was struggling with something again. And so we wouldn't, we divert from the study. And I spent um, almost two years of my ministry. Hmm. Not that I didn't give any Bible studies, but there was so much of it that was just me doing this counseling thing. And I realized that at the end of all that, they connected with me, but they didn't. They weren't any more spiritual. Their life wasn't changed because my word doesn't change anybody. Mm. And I think what we do, I don't think what we do, I know what we do. And, and I'm, I apologize if this is offensive to our readers, but it, it's something we got to come to terms with because I know a lot of our church members are still in that mindset like, well, the Bible's just so impersonal. It's not. It's mm. the word of the living God. And yes. what we do is we degrade the word because we can't explain how it works. Like, how is that going to meet somebody's needs? It does. It just Because does. it's the word of God. <laughs> yes. And you undertake to try to do it. And you can feel like the hero and you're in there and you're being in there. Oh, you made him yeah. feel better. But your word, uh, in the words of the lesson here, God has promised mm. to bless his word, not our words. The early church knew that. That's mm. why they preached the word. Mm. And the Holy Spirit empowers the Word, He works through the Word. You know, I had an opportunity to visit with a young lady uh, just recently who was struggling in her faith, and she had talked about how a pastor had come to visit her, and she had said, like, I'm not really sure my faith, and she, her circumstance was physically, uh, geographically isolated from other church members and stuff. She's starting to drift. And 
she's like, I, and I, but I know the doctrines, I know the truths that we hold, you know, and I want to stay true to those. And he had, basically, his counsel was like, well, it's not really about the doctrines. I don't know why we emphasize this so much, but really, she, and she was like, that's not what I need. I need that's to be, exactly so, right. the one thing I need is to be held tighter to those doctrines. And, and we, we, we think that the church connection is like, well, the friendships you make and, and the society, all of which is They're fine. Important. That's fine. But the reason I'm a Seventh-day Adventist is because of this message. There is no other, like, there are other places you can get cultural connections, you can have societies and, and personal, interpersonal activities, but the message of this word is the only reason to be a Seventh-day Adventist. It's That's it. Because it's the living word, the Holy That's Spirit right. works through it. You know, Ellen White makes a statement where she says the reason the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter is because there is comfort in the truth, but there is no comfort in falsehood. Mm. And in fact, that statement can be found there. Are two recommended readings, and I recommend both of them on Friday's lesson, um, from Ellen White in the book Acts of the Apostles, the chapter, The Gift of the Spirit. You'll see the page numbers there on Friday's lesson. And in Desire of Ages, Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, that chapter. That is one of the most awesome. It's one of my favorite chapters in all her writings. Both of those very powerful and there's a quote from the Gift of the Spirit chapter that we're going to close with if you want to read that. Sure. Um, this is Acts of the Apostles, page 50. The lapse of time has wrought no change in Christ's parting promise to send the Holy Spirit as his representative. It is not because of any restriction on the part of God that the riches of his grace do not flow earthward mm. to men. If the fulfillment of the promise is not seen as it might be, it is because the promise is not appreciated as it should be. If all were willing, all would be filled with the Spirit. Wherever the need of the Holy Spirit is a matter little thought of, there is seen spiritual drought, spiritual darkness, spiritual declension, and death. Whenever minor matters occupy the attention, the divine power which is necessary for the growth and prosperity of the church and which would bring all other blessings in its train is lacking, though offered in infinite plentitude. And mm. you can guarantee that the need of the Spirit is going to be a matter little thought of any place where we are not embracing the mission that Christ gave us. Amen. Individually and personally, like the early church wow. did. a lot in this lesson. But let's close with a word of prayer. Pastor Howard? Yes. Father in heaven, oh, Father, forgive us for not availing ourselves of this most precious gift of the Holy Spirit, for becoming so self-sufficient oftentimes. And I can, I can say it for myself, Lord, and perhaps some of our viewers can say the same. Lord, help us to uh, gain a, a deeper sense of our need. Help us to embrace the mission that you've given to us, um, not looking at our own inabilities, but trusting that you'll provide whatever we need through the all-powerful moving of the Holy Spirit. We have on record in the book of Acts and throughout the scripture, uh, uh, the New Testament scripture, especially in the New Testament church, the, what the Holy Spirit was able to do with the church he wants to do the same thing for us today. Father, help us to avail ourselves of this most precious gift. And we thank you for hearing and answering as we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.